This morning it is in my heart to share a message of faith with you. Faith. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a bit louder. <laughs> Whereas the title of my message reads, you would have seen the significance of radical faith. And church, the reason I want to share this message with you and why it's been on my heart is because if we look at the world around us, if you watch the news, if you pick up the newspaper, if you talk to your friends or your colleagues, you just get this picture of everything that is wrong, this collage of everything that is going wrong. Human abuse, human demise, unrest in society, economies going down, and this evil and wickedness seems to be prevailing in all spheres of life. And on the surface, in the, the natural realm of life, things seem hopeless. There seems to be very little for us to put our trust in these days. And you know, it may even cross your mind that the world has never been as evil or as bad, as bad as it is right now. And there's merit to that if you feel that way, because in the span of our life, things are getting worse. There is great evil in the world. The Bible speaks of the times that we're living in. But truthfully, church, there were times in the Bible, or even in more recent history, where things were a lot worse. But despite the times, despite the age, God raised up a man or a woman to stand in the gap, right? There were other times in history where things were a lot worse, but God raised up Moses to deliver his people from slavery. There were times when God's people were going to be destroyed, and he raised up Esther. It was a lot worse even when King Ahab and Jezebel were reigning with such evil, together with the prophets of Baal, but he raised up Elijah. In more recent history, in the Middle Ages, there were times where people were so far from God, but God raised up men like George Whitfield, John Wesley, and Charles Spurgeon. Thank you. These men were part of the great revival of the time. During the time of the Revolutionary War in the 18th century in America, the morality in America was at an all-time low. And later we would find the awakenings, the great awakenings, as, as God raised up men like Jonathan Edwards. Many, many other examples in history, church, but the point I'm trying to make here today is that God is always, in history, carrying out a plan to do great things through ordinary people. And He's looking for a man, He's looking for a woman whose heart is, is fully His. And when He finds a man or a woman, regardless of education, regardless of background, regardless of, of status, race or gender, if He finds that person in the, in the midst of great need in the world, He will shake and move all of heaven to resource them to stand in the gap, to rebuild the wall and make a difference. And you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with faith, right? I thought this was a faith message. And you see, church, all of these people that I just spoke about had to take a, a giant and radical leap of faith when God called them. Just look at the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah prays to God, and after four months of praying, God reveals to Nehemiah, it's not an accident that I gave you this prestige and this position and intelligence and leadership in this time, in this city, in this time of history. It's not a coincidence. I want you to be my man and go over there to rebuild, rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. 
And God has given him a plan, but you must understand it took a huge leap of faith for Nehemiah to do this. I mean, he's going to walk into the king's presence, and he's going to do something if the, the king's in a bad mood and the king doesn't agree with, with what he says. This could be the end of his life. But he's willing to take a radical step of faith and put his life on the line to come out of his comfort zone and align with, with God's agenda. And so he asked God, give us success, give us favor in the sight of this man. This is what the Bible says as Nehemiah takes this, this radical step of faith and talks to the king in Nehemiah chapter number 2. Let's pick it up in verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was being brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. I think he's buttering the king up a bit there. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? And church, do you understand what he did in the culture of this time? If you're sad before the king, if he's having a bad day, it's probably your last day. Because everything revolved around making the king happy. And church, I just want you to underline these words in your Bible. Or if you're on your Bible app, just highlight these words where it says, I was very much afraid, but... I was very much afraid, but. And I want to suggest to you today, church, that the greatest things that have ever happened on the face of this earth by God's people are by people who are terrified and afraid of what they're about to do. But they don't let fear stop them. They don't let the fear of lack of finances. They don't let the fear of rejection. They don't let the fear of their, their physical life get in the way. And they do what God shows them, even though they're afraid. So as you go through this message today, if there are certain things in your heart that are stirred up that make you feel very fearful, I just want you to know that you are in very good company. So what is the significance of radical faith? And how do we get to that place where we are willing to take this step, to take this, this leap of faith? What is faith? You may be asking this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, right? In other words, faith has to do with what you can't see. Faith isn't all logic and reason and things you can make sense of. It is based on facts, but it's, it's not emotion. You know, too often we'll say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and have faith. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try and try and try and muster up this faith with my emotions. We try to make it emotional, but faith may have emotions or, or no emotions. Faith is being assured and certain of what you can't see. And church, faith is nothing more or nothing less than trusting in the character, the nature, and the promises of God to the point that you respond whether you feel like it or not. Even when it doesn't feel good. Even if... You are fearful. That's what faith is. 
So the first thing you have to remember about the significance of a radical faith is, is what faith is and what it isn't. It's not emotional to obey God. It's just that God is good. His promises are true. He said He'll meet all my needs according to His, His riches in Christ Jesus. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He loved me. He loves me. He's kind. So I trust Him. The second thing you need to remember is how deeply God values faith. How much it means to Him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see, church, God is not impressed with your morality. God is not impressed with your knowledge, with your skill. He's not overwhelmed with your, your ministry success. The number one plan that God has for you and me is that you trust Him. That's the crux of it. The problem is we have, we have warped our view on what faith really is. It's become a very superficial level of faith. We say that we trust in God, but we don't want to trust Him with our children, with our, our family, with our finances. We say we have faith in God's plan for our lives, but when things don't work out according to our plans, we fall apart. And church, the whole point of difficulties and challenges in life, what the Spirit of God is trying to get us to ask is, what would it look like to trust God in this situation? That's the question. You can write that down. What would it look like to trust God in this situation? For instance, what would it look like to trust God with a difficult marriage? What would it look like to trust God with a good attitude without a job? What would it look like to trust God to deal with this addiction? What would it look like to trust God to say no to this relationship that is out of wedlock? What would it look like? Church, what pleases God is not your religious activity. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Amen? There's something else that I want you to know about faith today. Very important. Without risk, there is no faith. Can I say that again? Without risk, there is no faith. And Jesus taught His followers about this type of faith. It was His primary goal. And in fact, the only time that you'll see Jesus rebuking his, the disciples in the Bible was for their lack of faith, right? And church, in all the four Gospels, here's the one thing that God really wants from you and from me. Here's the one thing. Someone asked Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 28, what must we do to do the works that God requires? In other words, what does it mean to be right with God and what does God really want from me, right? What is the work of God? Jesus responds in the very next verse, in verse 29, and says, The work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. So what is the work of God? That you believe. Believe in what? Believe in everything. Believe it, that Jesus is who He says He is, right? Believe that this book is God's Word. Believe that what it says is about what's to come and what's happened in the past. Believe and trust that you are made for eternity and that you're in this fleeting moment of time. Believe that God can meet your needs. Believe that God is sovereign. Believe that He's good, that He's rewarder, that He loves you, and that He's for you. 
Jesus says, believe in me, believe in my commands, believe in my promises. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus gives a call to radical faith. And this is not church. This is not just to his appointed disciples. This is to all of his followers. This is what it said. Let's pick it up in verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. So church, do you understand what Jesus is calling us, his followers, to do here? Can you see the magnitude of it? And did you notice that it doesn't say if some followers desire to come after me? It says if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So this is not extreme Christianity that Jesus is talking about here. This is baseline Christianity. This is what we need to do to follow him. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is the Romans 12, 1 equivalent of surrender, to deny myself. This means that my life is not about me. My agenda, my future, everything that I can do. In other words, church, I'm going to say to God, I'm going to die to my agenda and believe that whatever yours is for me is best, and then I'm going to let it play out day by day. I'm going to follow you today. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to talk to you. And I'm going to stay in the community of God's people and obey you. I'm not just going to learn about you. I'm not just going to hear what other people have to say about you. I want to hear what you have to say for me, Lord. So I can take radical steps of faith and obey. Church, we know the, the famous Bible verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 17 that says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Right? Emmanuel prayed about it this morning. And church, I don't know if you've had the same experience as me, but in my life, I've never met a person with faith that doesn't love this book. And they're in it when they feel like it, and they're in it when they don't. And they're in it when, when they're feeling good, and they, they're full of joy, and they're in it when life's not going so good, and when they're full of fear. And they're in it when their family is together, and they're united, or they're in it when their family is falling apart. And you see, church, this is not some religious checklist that we have to tick off every day. This is just God, I want to get to know you better. Right? Because you'll never trust His character or know His promises unless this book, His Word, is a part of your daily practice. And so, church, there's the, this calling today for radical faith. And you know what? It's often simpler than we make it. Because the enemy will want you to believe that you can never do that. I mean, that's too hard. That's too big. I don't have the ability. I don't have enough faith to be that type of Christian. Right? That's what the enemy wants you to believe. But remember what Jesus says. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain to be moved from here to there. 
We often make it more complicated than it is. And you see, church, we often don't take a step of, of faith in life because we haven't clearly identified the object of our faith. It hasn't become crystal clear. Let me give you an illustration of what I mean. I heard a story a while back from a pastor that was speaking about this teacher that took some children on a camp to, to a place in America. I believe it's based on a true story. And the children, they, they, their school sport was, was ice hockey. So on the way to the camp, they, they come across this beautiful lake, an ice tub lake, and they want to play. They ask the teacher, can we please play some ice hockey, right? So the teacher's not too sure, but he gets out there, a little bit wary of the ice breaking, so he gets someone to tie a rope to him. And he's walking there very gingerly, expecting you know, the ice to break for him to fall into the, into the water to get hypothermia and possibly die. He's expecting the worst to happen, right? But, and he especially doesn't want anything to happen to the children that are under his care. He's, he's walking with his eyes even half closed, very gingerly, when all of a sudden he hears the sound of a, of a massive logging truck driving on the ice just a few feet away from him. And he's about to give the truck driver a piece of his mind and say, you know, tell him how irresponsible he is when the truck driver rolls his, his window down and says, the ice is 60 feet thick this time of year. Church, the object of our faith, is it secure or is it insecure? Is our faith in God just a thin layer of ice or is it 60 feet thick? Think about that. God is going to ask some of you today in this room to take a radical step of faith. Some of you are in relationships that are ungodly, but because of your, your comfort or your security, you're afraid to break them off. Some of you have addictions that are destroying your life, and people don't know about it. The people that love you do, but you're not willing to, to come clean. Some of you have been holding on to your future. You're not making decisions. A great many of you statistically are holding on to your money. Some of you have had a dream in your heart about what God really wants to do through you, but the moment you begin to think of the magnitude of it, you withdraw. And church, I want to encourage you this morning that the ice is 60 feet thick. It is 60 feet thick. Amen? Now, I'm not telling you that it's going to be all smooth sailing when you make a step. That when you get on the ice, it's going to be smooth skating. Right? And I'm not going to guarantee you that, it, that you're not going to be fearful. But I will guarantee you that it'll probably get worse before it gets better. But you know what? You can either try harder in your own strength, come to church, be religious, ask God to work your life out for you, live the defeated kind of life that is the average Christian experience, or you can join an army of, of real Christ followers with dislocated hearts, broken spirits who take radical steps of faith. And church, when God sees that kind of faith, supernatural power occurs. God brings supernatural power into that situation when you take that step of faith. Church, you know, we've been playing it, honestly. We've been playing it safe for far too long. And unfortunately, the experience of life shows that companies like Microsoft, Apple, take a lot, for instance, take greater steps of faith to build something for profit 
than the average church does, right, that has a bridge over troubled water named Jesus, who raised from the dead and dwells in you. And church, God has called us not to become a group of people who are measured by how many people that come to church on a Sunday. But by what kind of people live with what kind of faith that are impacting our homes, our lives, communities, cities, and nations. And yes, it's a journey. And yes, it's difficult. But it's out of that pain and out of that struggle and out of that difficulty that you experience God. Not hear about Him, not try on your own strength. Experience things that you, you just can't explain. Church, that is the significance of radical faith. I've heard it said that faith is like a coin. You may have heard this or not. But when you flip it over, it says, obey. What that basically means is just trusting God to the point where you just do what He says, right? And when you take that step, church, there's a supernatural life awaiting you. I want to encourage you with that today. The final point that I want to make this morning, church, is you cannot walk on water unless you get out of the boat, right? You cannot walk on water unless you take that first step. And as we continue to read in Luke chapter 10, after Jesus spoke about taking up your cross in, in chapter 9, Jesus is now sending out more people to spread the gospel. Let's pick it up in verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. What is Jesus teaching them? He's saying, I want you to trust me. Don't take any possessions with you. Don't take a, a bag. Don't take any money with you. I want you to trust in my provision. I'll take care of you. And then later, further on in verse 17, as they've taken this radical step of faith, God does things beyond their wildest dreams. Verse 17 says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Wow. And church, I want to read these last couple of verses to you this morning as we get ready to close. And this passage of Scripture paints this picture of what happens. That 72 returned with joy and said to the Lord, Even this demon submit to us in your name. And church, listen to this. This is a picture of what I would love Jesus to look down on us in the south of Johannesburg. Verse 18 says, He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Can I say that again? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Church, wouldn't it be great to see the workings of the evil of the south of Johannesburg and Jesus look down on our little time together here with other churches and other Christians and say, I see Satan falling like lightning from heaven? Amen? This is what he says in verse 19 and 20. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Can you say that with me? Nothing will harm you. 
However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then I love this church. To me, this is what it's all about. Verse 21. At that time, Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Church, Jesus is really happy. And this is all accomplished through ordinary people just like us. Just like us. Church, what does it look like today for you today to take a radical step of faith? Is it becoming the man in your house spiritually? Is it giving God the first hour of your day and saying, Lord, you know what? I know I've got responsibilities in life. There's very important things, but I'm giving you the most important hour of my day. Is it fully submitting your life to God in an area that you haven't done before? Is it going public and saying, you know what? I want to be baptized. Or maybe it's deciding to give God the first portion of your money and, and trust Him with your finances. Maybe it's making the decision to break up a relationship that is ungodly or you know, stop an addiction that is destroying your life. And church, I don't know what it is for you this morning. I don't know what it may, may be, but I want to encourage you that the ice is 60 feet thick. Come on. There's a bridge over troubled water and His name is Jesus. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro, looking for a man, looking for a woman to stand in the gap. Would you be that man? Would you be that woman today? If the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro through the south of Johannesburg and he comes across Frontline Church, would you be the man or the woman to say, yes, I will stand in the gap? Shout amen if that's you this morning. <laughs>